Hey, it's Adam. Welcome to our weekly teaching podcast here at South Hills Church in Corona, California. Our hope is that as you listen in, you'll find yourself laughing and learning and being challenged and encouraged to grab hold of who God has made you to be. Enjoy the message. All right, all right, that's good, thank you. (laughs) Thank you, thank you, thank you. We can end that. I appreciate you obeying your pastor, but stop it. Uh, Like he said, my name is Sam. Uh, My wife, Amanda, and our four girls, yes, four girls, we live down in Costa Mesa. We actually moved to California about a year ago from Kansas City. Uh, we're Midwest folks, originally from Iowa, but spent the last five years or five or six years or so in, in the Midwest. You lose track of time. So there was some time around five years that we spent in Kansas City before moving here a year ago. And we go to the Costa Mesa campus. My wife serves on staff uh, on the central team, supporting all of the campuses. So uh, we're South Hills folks, family. But it's good to be here with you all. This is my first time here. She's been here uh, a few times, but I have not. So thank you for having me, and congratulations to Adam and Gretchen on 20 years. That's incredible. That's celebration worthy. Uh, So happy to step in so they can spend some time together. And specifically, I I love this series, uh, this this series talking about God's spirit. You know, we've talked about how we have some ideas around the concept of God as it relates to God the Father. We have an idea of that metaphor. We have an idea of what it means when we say God the Son in relationship to the Father because we've seen and experienced Father-Son dynamics. So this concept of the Trinity, Father and Son, we typically have at least a starting place conceptually to understand what this means about God. But God's Spirit's a little trickier. We don't have cultural metaphors or relations that we can point to to say, okay, that comparison helps me make sense of this thing, this spirit, which is why the writers of the scriptures turn naturally to metaphor. And these are some brilliant metaphors that we're exploring here, breath, doves, clouds, and fire. Today, my friend, it's all about the dove. If you're willing and able, would you stand with me as we read a passage of scripture? And then I'll pray over this message, and then we'll get after it. I'm going to read out of Matthew's gospel, and it's going to be on the screen for you as well. Matthew 3, 13 through 16, it says this, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness And then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. God, we just come into this place this morning uh, anxious for an opportunity to reorient ourselves. Whatever we came in here with, wherever we came here from, God, we just turn ourselves toward you. We posture our hearts to hear from you. We ask that you would awaken us to your spirit here, now, in this place, in this moment. Would you open our eyes to see what you would have next for us? Would you open our ears to hear what you might have to say to us? In a gentle whisper, would your voice be loud and clear to us? We know you're here, you're present, you're with us, 
You're for us. You're around us. You're within us. Would you wake us up to that? And because of that, would we leave a changed people? Would you be at work in our hearts so that you could be at work through our lives? And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may have a seat. So for context, this is Jesus' baptism. If you've been around church, this is not a new story. But I think there's some really powerful truths in this set of scripture that I want to take a look at. But let's set the stage here. So Jesus comes to John. This is an itinerant rabbi coming to an itinerant Jewish teacher, meaning they traveled around, they taught, they were peers. If you go back into the, into the story of, of Mary and, and her conception with Jesus, John was also uh, being conceived around the same time. So these are peers, they're traveling around, they're preaching. John's message was one of turn or return to the one true God and demonstrate that with water baptism. We still do it to this day. We're, we're having baptisms coming up. This is something we still do. But he also preached this concept that, yeah, you should take this step and coming behind me is one greater than I, someone who's not just going to baptize with water, but will baptize with the Holy Spirit. So then these two first century Jewish teachers engage in the act of baptism, John baptizing Jesus, and it says when Jesus came out of the water, the heavens opened and the Spirit of God descended on him like a dove. So this is the first piece that I want to I want to start to look at here. This this concept of heaven was opened. In Mark's gospel, Mark uses the word torn Heaven was torn open. It's actually the same word that he uses later in his gospel when Jesus dies and it says the temple veil was torn, if you remember that story. And this matters because when Jesus dies and the, when the temple was torn, what that represented, what that symbolized was access to God directly. Because that temple veil is what separated people uh, from God, only the high priest could go behind the veil. So we have this concept of a priest that mediates for man in God. You have to go to the priest, the priest goes to God, God comes to the priest, the priest comes to you. It's like a game of ancient telephone. <laughs> but when the veil was torn, it represented this direct access to God. So this, was, this, is, this is monstrous in the Christian faith. Because you and I, we say things like, I can hear from God, I can talk to God. Why? Because we have this belief, this theology, this, this practice of I have direct access. But it didn't just begin when the veil was torn. Here in Jesus' baptized, it says that heaven was torn open. The message is being made clear here in baptism. That as Jesus is beginning to start his ministry, heaven is invading the earth. God is invading the earth. The heaven opens, and then the spirit descends like a dove. This spirit descending like a dove would have been a major callback to first century readers or listeners of this story. We read in Genesis 8, it says this in the, in the, in the story of Noah. It says, then he sent out a dove to see if the water had receded from the surface of the ground. But the dove could not find 
but could find nowhere to perch because there was water all over the surface of the earth. So it returned to Noah in the ark. So Noah's floating around wondering, when is this going to end? Will it end? How will it end? Will there be land? Let me send a dove. It comes back. He reached out his hand and took the dove and brought it back to himself into the ark. He waited seven more days and sent it out again, sent the dove from the ark. When the dove returned to him in the evening, there in its beak was a freshly plucked olive leaf. Noah sends out the dove into wasteland, and it comes back with a sign of hope, with a sign of direction, with a sign of confirmation that, yes, there is something else. Yes, this will end. Yes, there is hope. No wonder, then, in Christian symbolism, the dove in the olive branch, or specifically the dove with an olive branch, has become a symbol of peace, of hope. There's also another connection here, and I want to go back all the way to Genesis 1. This is where the pages of your Bible stick together. Genesis 1, chapter 2. No, that's wrong. Genesis 1, verse 2, (laughs) says this, Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. This concept, this this hovering, this word hovering, it's likened to wind or, or a movement, a subtle movement. Theologians, rabbis talk about this word hovering as like the, 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 the effect of a bird's wings. So the wind, the force created by a bird's wings, or a bird brooding over its eggs, something hovering, covering, protecting. This is what this word hovering means. So in the very creation, we see the spirit of God at work in the imagery of a bird. And then in the flood story, we see it more precisely as the image of a dove. And then in Jesus' baptism, we see the dove again, the spirit of God descending, resting on him, displaying this, this image of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. It's, it's a beautiful expression how God has always been at work, renewing, restoring all things, and how God's Spirit was at work, is at work, and will be at work here in creation. But it's not just the work of the Spirit. The next thing I want to talk about is this concept of drawing near, God drawing us near. So in Jesus' baptism story, the people who would have been witnessing this, the people who would then have heard this story, they would have not only had these callbacks to the ancient creation poem and and the flood story, but they would have understood the meaning of the dove as it relates to their religious sacrifices. So religious sacrifices in this day and age were, were done as a way to reconcile man and God, God and man. This was a way to make things right. Ritual sacrifices were, were me saying, I have had shortcomings. I'm going to own those. I understand I've got skin in the game in this community in which I take part. And so therefore, I'm going to bring something that costs me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to own it. I'm going to bring something that costs me to, to demonstrate the, my heart posture, which is I'm sorry. I want, I want to receive forgiveness. And they bring these to the temple, and the animal is sacrificed. 
as a way of understanding God is a God of grace who forgives. Yes, he, he, he accepts the sacrifice and he forgives us of our shortcomings, of our, of our sins. And in, in so doing, there's this intimate connection with God where, where he asks us to draw near. Because you don't sacrifice from your home. No, you come to the temple. You come to the place where, where God was represented. This is a drawing near to God. And then God honors that by forgiving us of our sins. In, in Leviticus, it lays all of this out. It's a little bit... Um, not, yeah, it's not the easiest or the most fun book of the Bible to read. When you start to understand what the sacrificial system meant, you see some power and some beauty there. And one of the things in the middle of a, like an agonizingly long list of instructions for the priest, it says this, then he shall sacrifice the doves or the young pigeons such as the person can afford. Such as the person can afford. What this meant was that this was accessible because I may have had a cow or a sheep or a whatever else, but maybe not. Maybe I didn't have anything. Maybe I didn't have property. Maybe I didn't have livestock. Maybe I was on hard times. You know what I could get my hands on? A dove or a pigeon. Why? We kind of understand this. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. They're cheap. I don't have to go sell off, you know, things to go buy a sheep. No, I can go get a dove. I can go get a pigeon. Why is this so important? Because nobody's excluded. Everybody gets to come. Everybody gets to take part in this reconciliation with God. That's why the imagery of the dove is so powerful. Ironically, it's because doves were cheap. They're everywhere. A little annoying, maybe, <laughs> but you could get your hands on one. You got to participate in this. So when Jesus, uh, we call it cleansing the temple. Remember when he freaks out and starts like yelling at people and flipping tables and everything? One of my favorite stories of the Bible. Angry Jesus is always very entertaining to me. But so he like loses it in the temple. Why? Because people were taking something that was intended to make everyone apart to make this accessibility to God free for all, and they were manipulating it. The, the story talks about he explicitly went after the money changers and those selling doves. Why? Because they were taking something that was meant for everybody to participate, and they were making it such that now not everybody could participate. Because if, I've gotta, if I come to the temple and I've got to change money, or I've got to, uh, you know, there's got to be a transaction so that I can get, because, you know, maybe I'm not going to travel with all of my doves as I make my pilgrimage to the, to the temple. I gotta, I'm going to buy the dove, or, or what have you. Well, the people doing that transaction and then, and then selling the dove, they were, they were marking it up. And this makes Jesus furious, because he understands the power of the dove and the pigeon, is that it helps generate accessibility. This is about everyone being able to draw near to God and God providing the means to do so. That's what makes Jesus so bonkers. So now imagine you're, you're one of those people standing at the edge of the water and you see this and there's this imagery, this dove, and then all of this is going on and you've got, you, under, you have this historical background in this context, like, yeah, 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 doves, doves, hold on, hold on, birds and doves and spirit. I know this. I've heard this. I've seen this. We're going somewhere here. And then you hear this voice, the, the, the very next verse, verse 17, 
God says, this is my son whom I love and with whom I am well pleased. You see, this exchange that we see here, this makes it clear to Jesus and to everybody around, everybody witnessing who he was, where he stood, what he represented, what he was a part of, what he was doing. Jesus would start saying, I'm about the work of my father. I truly believe this is why you see John's disciples leave. And John's like, yeah, yeah, this, I, I've been telling you guys. Someone else was coming. He's here. They're like, hey, can we go? They're like, yes, please go. This is why, this experience. They're like, oh, yes, this spirit of God that we've, we've heard of, we've experienced, we tell stories about, we've built metaphors for this is taking us somewhere. This is the moment. So what did Jesus do right from then? This is the moment he begins his ministry, his work, his teaching, with a profound sense of peace and direction and confidence. There's nothing about the way Jesus carried himself from that moment forward that made it seem like in any way he was unsure or he was lost or he had a lack of confidence. No, because this spirit descending and this, this affirmation from God, he knew exactly, uh, he knew he had exactly what he needed, which is this spirit upon him, which enabled him to then go and do the work he was called to do. So sitting in this room, I'm just gonna go out on a limb here and, and speculate. You and I have never had an experience where we see heaven tear open and a dove fall down and a light upon us? <laughs> I mean, maybe you. If so, find me after service. I want to hear every single thing about it. It's just not happened to me. So can we, can we have this sense of peace and guidance and direction and confidence in our lives? You guys are never going to believe what I'm about to tell you. I think so. I think we can. You see, Jesus said to his followers in John's gospel, in, in chapter 16, he captures it this way. He says, very truly I tell you, it is good for you that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Adam preached this in the opening uh, message of this series, if you were here for that. If not, go back and watch it. It's a wonderful setup for this whole thing. But he talked about this concept that like the, the, the power of Jesus' presence with his disciples is that he was present to them. I wasn't there. You were not there. If he came back today, it looks like there's more than 12 of us in the room. So some of us are gonna have to watch from the outside. That's why Jesus said, it's actually good that I go. His message was, this is not just about me. This is about what the Spirit has been doing all along. I am showing you this new way of living. I'm inviting you into it. But it's the power of the Spirit. It's this animating force that's going to, that's going to equip us to do it. It's how he can invite his followers to keep it going. Let's keep this thing going. Keep the movement alive. Walk out in this way. Live in this new way that I'm teaching you and I'm modeling for you. They knew they couldn't do it on their own over and over and over. Every single story about the disciples, there's some, there's some concept or, or, or part of it that's like, no, cannot do that. No way. 
Can't do it. Not equipped, not smart enough, not eloquent enough, not courageous enough, over and over and over. And what, is, what are they told all along? And this, this goes all the way back into the Old Testament. Every major figure has a moment of like, usually right in the very beginning, they're like, oh, uh-uh, wrong guy. You got the wrong guy. Not, not I. And every single time, the good news is that, hey, guess what? This isn't about you. You're not good enough. You're not handsome enough. <laughs> You're not eloquent enough. Yeah, people are not going to take you seriously enough. But guess who it is about? Guess who can pull it off? The power of the Spirit in you, around you. That's what this is about. This is an invitation to get in on it, not to do it yourself. So Jesus says we're going to have this advocate, this helper, this Spirit of God who's going to help equip us. And it's in, it's in this confidence that the Apostle Paul then has the, the ability to remind the church in Philippi where he says in Philippians 4.8, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about such things. You want to have a transformed mind? This is how you get a transformed mind. You, you, you set your focus on the things that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy. Now, when you read something like that, we tend to have a couple reactions. One is that this feels like a little bit of like cheap mind over matter. Like, oh, I just got to like, think the right thoughts and then the right things are going to happen or I'm just going to ignore like the fact that my life is a mess. I'm going to bury my head. Like this is, this isn't helpful to me. Or you think, listen, I get it. That sounds lovely. That sounds wonderful, but I am not capable of doing such a thing. In fact, I'm a pessimist. <laughs> or you could say, I'm a realist. I see the, the pain and the suffering around me. I focus on my, my failures and my flaws. How, how, am I, how am I supposed to do this? And if this is what it means to have a transformed mind, then I'm helpless. And again, the beautiful invitation, the good news here is like, yeah, <laughs> you are, I am. Because I can't just do something mentally to make this happen. I can't just will it and then have it be. This is something that I have to invite the Spirit to, to assist me with, to open up myself, my experience, to say there's something else going on. There's something else always been going on, and I'm not going to reject the invitation to get in on that. I'm not going to close myself off to what God might have for me and have for those around me. So I'm going to still myself. I'm going to open myself up. I'm going to ask that his will be done in my life. I'm going to choose to see the beauty he's placed around me. I'm going to reflect on the goodness in my life. I'm going to set my eyes on the things that are good, are pure, are lovely, even though they might be hard to find. I'm going to spend the time. I'm going to be intentional. I'm going to get quiet. 
I'm going to take as long as it takes to drown out the noise of the world. I'm going to come back to my breath, which I only have because it's the very breath of God within me. And I'm going to reflect on God's presence that every breath reminds me of. And I'm going to recognize his spirit within me, around me, before me, behind me. Because it's not about who I am, it's about whose I am. It's not about my capabilities or my talents, it's about my openness to the spirit of God that hovers just now as it ever did. I'm going to choose to reflect on that. The reality is that life is hard and there's ups and downs and there's twists and turns. So sometimes we read scriptures like God's, you know, at work and everything and he's, he's uh, working together all things for the good of those who love him. And we want to like call BS. And we're like, you've not seen my life. You didn't just see what I just went through. God wasn't there. There's no way. You haven't seen how many times I've screwed up. I can't sing a refrain that he's for you, he's for you, he's for you. Maybe you, but it doesn't feel like he's for me. The invitation is to set your eyes on the good, the pure, the lovely, the noble, the admirable, begin to tune out the noise in your head and around you and open yourself up to the still, quiet voice of the Spirit. Because he hovers, he's within us, he's around us, he's protecting us, he's for us, he's with us, he's for us. We could, just, we could have just sang that song for 35 minutes and that would have done the trick. That's it, that's the message that we have to internalize. It's not about me it's about this spirit that animates me. So then, yeah, sure, I can understand maybe in moments, fleeting moments, but I can begin to understand this concept of having a peace that passes all understanding. Because when I give myself to that process, when I open myself up to this spirit who's at work in all things, for all things, I can begin to get glimpses of it. And if I begin to practice that, if I begin to create habits of that, of observing goodness, of quieting myself, of, of catching my breath, then I begin to become aware of the Spirit in my life. So this week, the, the where do we go from here is this. I, I invite us all to reflect on Paul's words in Philippians throughout the week, several times a day. Read it, read it, read it, read it, memorize it, meditate on it. Choose to fully internalize these words, even if it doesn't feel true, especially if it doesn't feel true. Calm yourself. Quiet yourself. Invite God's spirit to be at work. And then guess what? The invitation's already accepted. So then just become aware of the spirit of God within you. You might not have words. That's okay. Breathe. Because with your breath, you're proclaiming the name of God. And it's his spirit that animates you and that allows you 
to do it. My prayer as we go this morning would be, would be that we become aware of the Spirit who's been at work all along and who is at work right now in our lives. Would you pray with me? God, sometimes it's easy to be aware. Sometimes it's easy to spot the goodness. Sometimes it's, 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 we're quick to name the goodness in our lives where you're at work. It's easy to identify that was God. That wasn't me. I couldn't have done that on my own. And sometimes it feels like we're lost, that we need direction, that we don't know where to go. We don't know which way is up. Lord, may we be aware of your presence in all of it. Ups and downs, highs and lows. No matter what's going on, would we have the audacity to, to quiet ourselves, to be still in your presence, to become aware of your spirit. May we be a people shaped by the reality that the Spirit has always been at work. And the Spirit can and will and is at work in my life, in our lives, in this community. Would you be at work in our hearts so that you could be at work through our lives? In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. We hope you heard something that spoke directly to where you're at right now in life. To find out more about our church, hit up our website, southhills.org corona, or follow us on social media at South Hills Corona. And if our messages have made a difference in your life, help us get the word out by rating and reviewing this podcast. And as always, you can support the ongoing work of our church by giving through our website at southhills.org give and selecting the Corona Campus. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you'll join us again next week. God bless.